Get ready for unique, rare, and little-known treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to The Amazing World of Radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to The Amazing World of Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Uh, well, we're going to continue our series in Raymond Massey's Abraham Lincoln, and we're going to be listening to a new series of The Amazing World of Radio, and that is The Eternal Light. The Eternal Light was a weekly series put out over the radio and later television by the Jewish Theological Cemetery. Over NBC, the series throughout the golden age of radio was primarily an audio drama series, and that continued to be true even after 1962. Although they did also do some panels and discussion programs later on. And I can't speak as to how long uh, radio drama persisted, you know, into the 1970s. The series did a fair variety of different programs. Some would focus on the history of the Jewish people, whether in America or in places around the world. Others would focus on stories from the Bible and others still would focus on uh, some works of Jewish literature. This particular episode is from that first category. The original air date on it is January the 1st of uh, 1956, and the title is The Man Who Knew Lincoln. unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure oil olive, beaten for the light, to cause the lamps to burn continually in the tabernacle of the congregation. And it shall be a statute forever in your generations. The Eternal Light. The National Broadcasting Company and its affiliated independent stations present The Eternal Light, a program which comes to you under the auspices of the Jewish Theological Seminary of America. Today's program comes to you from Cleveland, Ohio, through the facilities of station WTAM. It is entitled The Man Who Knew Lincoln, was written by Virginia Mazur, and stars the distinguished actor Raymond Massey. Donald Buca as Edward Rosewater. This program marks the anniversary of the historic Emancipation Proclamation. Go down, Moses, way down in Egypt land, tell old Pharaoh 
let my people go. January the 1st, 1863. The day began like any other day. From the White House, we watched the usual wet snow turn into the usual rain. We heard the usual rumble of mule wagons carrying supplies to the army across the Potomac. And we saw the usual number of armless and legless men in blue among the crowds on Pennsylvania Avenue. Yes, on the outside, it was a day like any other dragon, war-weary day. But over at the War Department telegraph office, it was different. We were waiting for something. At last, the door opened, and he came in. He looked old and tired. He came in quietly, as usual, a folded piece of fool's cap in his hand. This was it. This was what we had been waiting for. No trumpets sounded, no guns were fired. Instead, he warmed his hands at the coal fire, then turned to me at the telegraph key. Any news for me this morning, young fella? No, sir, not so far. No news is good news, I guess. Not always. A fisherman doesn't call it good luck when he can't get a bite. No, does he? No, sir, I guess not. I have these papers here. I want one of you boys to take it down from me and send it out over the wire. Will you oblige me, Mr. Rosewater? Of course, sir, gladly. For six months, would you believe it, I've been writing on this thing, and this is all I come up with. Two sheets of foolscap. But it's better to say too little than too much. Don't want to be like that long-winded politician back home. Folks always said the reason his speeches were so boring was he got started talking and was too lazy to stop. Anyway, here it is. Two sheets of foolscap. But they'll make a difference in a lot of people's lives. We'll see. You ready, Mr. Rosewater? Ready, Mr. Lincoln. By the President of the United States, a proclamation. All persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state, the people whereof shall be in rebellion against the United States, shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free. Go down, Moses, way down in Egypt land. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. January the 1st, 1863. Day much like any other day. But with this difference, on that day there went out to the land on wings of wire the news that a mortal blow had been struck against slavery in the United States. Even as we listened to Mr. Lincoln speak the dry and bone-bare words, we knew that something old was dying, something new was struggling to be born. And upon this act, Sincerely believed to be an act of justice warranted by the Constitution upon military necessity. I invoke the considerate judgment of mankind and the gracious favor of Almighty God. I, Edward Rosewater, 22, an immigrant Jewish boy from Cleveland, Ohio, by way of Bukowan, Bohemia 
was the telegrapher who telegraphed the Emancipation Proclamation to the world. Only in America, I think, could this have happened. The Rosewaters had arrived in Cleveland in the year 1854, same year that Illinois sent me, Abe Lincoln, to the Congress for the first time. They'd come to the New World to escape the sorrows of the old. But at first glance, they could see little difference. Poverty was here to greet them like an old relation. Old clothes, old clothes, I buy old clothes, and the old clothes today is old clothes. Like my father, the father of Edward Rosewater, had dreams of glory for his sons. But bread came first. There were nine hungry children to be fed. So Edward, the oldest, was sent out into the hurly-burly with a peddler's pack. Well, what do you want, boy? Please, ma'am. I have needles, thread, buttons, ribbon. Don't need any. On your way. Wait. Have you got any braid? Braid? No, no braid. Well, go along, then. Oh, lady, you want braid? I bring braid. I bring it tomorrow. It's you again. What do you want now? You say braid. I bring braid. What? You little numbskull. You brought me a loaf of bread. I said braid, not bread. <laughs> Don't you foreigners know nothing? <laughs> America was cruel. America had no heart. Why had we swapped Bukowan for Cleveland? Here I was a drop in the bucket, a cipher, a nothing. A... But wait. Wait, perhaps I was wrong. Perhaps Cleveland did have a heart. You are wrong, Edward. You haven't given America a chance. You're in such a hurry. How long have you been here? Two years? Three? Four this October 19th. What have I accomplished, Leah? Why ever so much? Look at you. You began as a peddler, and now you're a full-fledged clerk in the biggest dry goods store in town. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I didn't come to My America My father says to... you're the best clerk he ever had. Why, I heard him tell Mr. Loeb the other day that you're the only clerk he ever saw who could wrap a package without using any string. Leah, I didn't come to America to learn to wrap calico. My father's store carries silk goods, too, I'll have you know. Oh, now, look here, I'm not running down your father's store. It's a perfectly good store. It's just that I... I want... What? What do you want, Edward? What did I want? Who at 18 can say what he wants? I wanted the world with a string around it. But Edward Rosewater wanted something more, too. I knew because I felt the same mute longings as a backwoods boy in Illinois. It's as easy as falling off a log, Ed. Just a series of dots and dashes. That's all there is to it. They call it the Morse code. You really think I'll be able to learn it? <laughs> a guy with your brains is simple. Nothing to it. I'll give you my manual and some pointers, and you come down here to the depot every night and practice. The station master says it's okay. You're awfully good to do this for me, Warren. Ah, uh, forget it. I want to get you out and behind that counter. This is the land of opportunity. Telegraphy is a common profession. Lots of openings for operators these days. No telling it how far this will take you. Leah, now that I'm leaving Cleveland, I, I hate to go. There's so many fine people here. People like your father and Mr. Coleman and Warren and... Well, you know what I mean. Uh, I think so, Ed. I think I ought to tell you it's been a very enjoyable friendship. Uh, on my part, I mean. Well, on my part, too. Leah, 
Well, I, I guess I better go. I guess so, Ed. Remember, Cleveland will always be waiting for you. Do you mean that? Oh, of course I mean it. I'm a very sincere kind of person. Leah, look, this may come as a surprise to you, but I'd like to kiss you goodbye. That is, if you wouldn't... Why, Ed? I don't know what to answer. What would my father say here in broad daylight in front of everybody? I don't care what he'd say. I'm not kissing your father. Leah. Leah. You better go now. You'll miss your train. Goodbye, Leah. Goodbye, Ed. From Cleveland, I went to Oberlin, Ohio. And from Oberlin, I went south to Tennessee to take charge of a telegraph office there. Dear Leah, it's hot down here. 104 in the shade today. But the people are fine. Just like the people back home. Dear Leah, something happened today. I've always believed that slavery was wrong. But it was a private kind of feeling. Today, I saw a little colored girl being sold as a slave. It made me sick to my soul. Before I knew what I was doing. What am I bid? What am I bid? One hundred dollars. One hundred dollars. I'm a bid of one hundred dollars. Stop it. You can't do this. Don't you see that she's just a little girl? What's the matter with that fella anyway? The heat's got him. Well, look at her. You can't sell a little girl for money like you do a horse or a cow. Nobody's got the right to say what a human being is worth. Hey, Ed Rosewater. Can I talk to you for just a minute? Sure, come in, Bert. Anything you wanted to talk about in particular? Well, I figured you'd know. You mean about what happened this afternoon? Uh-huh. Folks are sort of upset about what you did. So help me, Bert, I had to. I couldn't stop myself when I saw that little girl up there in that auction I block. know I... how you feel. I didn't like it any more than you did, I reckon. But it's the way things are down here. Well, then they ought to be changed. <laughs> A lot of things ought to be changed, Ed. Down here, we got slaves growing our cotton. Well, maybe that's wrong, but it's our business. Up north, you take our cotton, spend it into cloth, and, uh, well, I hear tell the folks that work in your factories ain't much better off than our slaves. Maybe that's wrong, too. But it's your business. See what I mean? I see, all right, but I don't agree with you. Right and wrong aren't a matter of geography. We're one country. Now, what's your business is my business. What's mine is yours. No, folks around here don't hold that view. They say you had no right meddling into what doesn't concern you. But it does concern me. I'm a human being, and so is that little girl. I couldn't stand there and watch Ed, her... I told you, I didn't like it any more than you did. But it's the way things are down here. If you don't like it... Bert, there's a town down in Alabama that needs a telegraph operator. I think I'll take a look at things down there. You're crazy. What you want to go messing around down in Alabama for? Well, for one thing, I don't like to quit under fire. And for another thing, Bert, I just happen to like the South, believe it or not. I like it. The year was 1860. In Alabama, seed time went and harvest came. And over the telegraph, I heard the words a man named Lincoln spoke to a man named Douglas. When a white man governs himself, that is self-government. But when he governs himself and also governs another man, that is despotism. No man is good enough to govern another man without that other man's consent. Rosewater, those are fighting words you just took down. Mind you, if this fellow that calls himself Abe Lincoln is elected president... We sat in the telegraph office waiting. 
waiting for news of the election. We sat on a volcano. Mind you, if this fellow Lincoln is elected. Outside on the station platform that night, a carload of slaves had been rolled onto a siding. Out there in the darkness, I could feel their very presence. You gotta travel that lonesome valley. You got to go there by yourself. Ain't nobody here gonna do it for you. You gotta travel that lonesome valley by yourself. What you pulling the shade down for, Ed? It's hot. It's them. I'm ashamed. Oh, shucks, that ain't no way to talk. They're happy. They wouldn't always be singing if they weren't happy. It's wrong, wrong, wrong. Can't you see how wrong it is? Now, look, you read the Bible. What about this? Woe to him that buildeth his house by unrighteousness and his chambers by injustice. Woe to him that useth his neighbor's service without wages and giveth him not his hire. Stop ranting and raving, man. Get the telegram. What they say? Wait a minute. Thank God. It tell me. He won. Lincoln won. You're just saying that to aggravate no, me. No, no, it's the truth, so help me. Well, Ed, this means war. Where you going? I'm going outside to tell them the boxcar. Listen, all of you. All of you, listen. Lincoln's won. Hurrah for Lincoln. Hurrah for Abe Lincoln and the Union. Oh, freedom, freedom. Oh, freedom. Oh, freedom after a while. And before I'd be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave and go home to my Lord and be free. I told you Cleveland would be waiting for you, Ed. Leah. Leah, it's hard for me to tell you this, but I'm not staying. Now, don't... Don't, please don't look like that. But you've been away two years. Two whole years. I know. Oh, I don't care how it sounds. I'm tired of being prim and proper. I'm tired of being a lady, and I'm tired of waiting. When you go this time, Ed, you've got to take me with you. You've got to believe me. I want to take you with me more than anything in the world, but I can't, Leah. I'm going into the army. The army? But you wrote me from the South that telegraph operators are exempt. I don't want to be exempt. I want to be in it. Leah, if a thing is wrong, you fight it. You just don't stand in a corner with your face to a wall. No one can tell you what a war is like. No one. But Ed Rosewater was soon to learn. With the army of General Fremont, he crawled on hands and knees through the blood and the mud of the West Virginia wilderness. My job was to lay telegraph lines that would keep our forces in communication with other commands. From Fremont, I was assigned to General Pope. From Pope, I was sent to report to General McClellan's orders at Manassas. After Manassas came reassignment to the telegraph office in Washington. Dear you know how disappointed I was to be removed from the field. But there may be compensations. They say the president spends more time here at the telegraph office than anywhere else. I may be lucky enough to meet him. Any news for me this morning, young fella? Nothing so far, sir. Excuse me. I mean, nothing so far, Mr. Lincoln. 
I mean, Mr. President. Never mind the title. You're new, aren't you? Yes, sir. Tell me your name. Rosewater, sir. Edward Rosewater. I don't think I ever heard that name before. Well, it's really Rosenwasser, sir. My father Americanized it. I see. Wasser. That's German for water, isn't it? Yes, sir, it is. So you weren't born in this country, eh? No, sir. In Bohemia, a place called Bukowan. You probably never heard of it, sir. Don't apologize. He would come over from the White House wearing his carpet slippers and an old shawl thrown around his shoulders. Often as not, he would give us his messages directly without bothering to write them out. To General McClellan. Hold on with a bulldog grip and chew and choke as much as possible. Signed, A. Lincoln. To General Pope, Bull Run. Which side of the creek are you on? Hey, Lincoln. You know, young fella, that telegram I just sent reminds me of the old woman whose pig got loose and ran around the creek. She and her husband lit out after him. Do you see him, husband? Which side of the creek is he on? I don't know, wife, but I think he's on both sides. Early that summer of 1862, we asked one day for a pencil and some sheets of foolscap. I got some ideas I want to try out on paper. I don't know if they'll amount to anything much. Maybe like shooting at the moon with a slingshot. But we'll see. Every day he would sit for an hour or more, his forehead wrinkled in concentration, and every night what he had written was locked in the old iron safe in the corner of the telegraph office. Eventually, we began to suspect the subject of his endeavors. What do you think about slavery, son? I'm against it, sir. So am I. But you wouldn't know it to read the newspapers. The abolitionists say I've betrayed them. They want a proclamation of emancipation right away. Wherever I go, there are Mr. Sumner, Mr. Stevens, and Mr. Wilson to haunt me. They are my Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But I won't let them push me into anything premature. This subject is on my mind day and night more than any other. But emancipation without a military victory to back it up would be a meaningless act. All through that desperate summer, they had locked away in the safe in the telegraph office those two pieces of foolscap that the whole land was waiting for. Our losses continued to be heavy. There was the second bull run, Fredericksburg. 13,000. That's what it says, sir, 13,000. You know what that means? Yes. 13,000 men killed. War. It's awful, awful war. Well, what do you got for me this morning? We're just sending a messenger to the White House, sir. It's good news. Let me see. Here, sir. Thank God. McClellan has stopped Lee at Antietam. I think I'll just take a look at those papers we got stashed away in the safe. It may be now that the time is ripe. Up to now, with our armies in retreat everywhere, it might have been nothing but a big noise. Did you boys ever hear about the two hunters lost in the woods at night? They kept hearing a strange noise. They didn't know what it was, and they kept beating around the bushes, but they couldn't find anything. Let's go on, one of them said finally. Whatever it is, it's nothing but a noise. 
whatever else I am, the Lord let me be remembered as something more than a noise. Go down, Moses, way down in Egypt land. Tell old Pharaoh to let my people go. The day began like any other dragging, war-weary day. But we in the telegraph office were waiting for something. At last, he came in, looking old and tired, a folded piece of paper in his hand. This was it. You ready, Mr. Rosewater? Ready, Mr. Lincoln. By the President of the United States, a proclamation. All persons held as slaves in certain designated parts of the United States, the people whereof shall be in rebellion against the United States. Many things happened to a man in the course of his lifetime. I, Edward Rosewater, was to go back to Cleveland and to marry Leah Coleman. Later, I would go west to Omaha and found a newspaper. I would serve in the legislature of that state for many years, fighting always as best I could for the rights of minority groups in America. I was to introduce bills providing institutions for the deaf and dumb and blind in Nebraska. And in the city of Omaha, I would help to found and build the first Jewish hospital in that state. Yes, many things happened to a man in the course of his lifetime. But of all the days of my life, this one day stands out above the others. Something old began to die that day, and something new began struggling to be born. It is still a borning. And upon this act, sincerely believed to be an act of justice, warranted by the Constitution upon military necessity, I invoke the considerate judgment of mankind and the gracious favor of Almighty God. Oh, freedom, freedom, oh, freedom, oh, freedom after a while. And before I be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave and go If you would like a copy of today's script, please send your name and address with 10 cents to cover the cost of postage to the Jewish Theological Seminary of America, 3080 Broadway, New York 27, New York. And now we take great pleasure in presenting Judge Albert A. Waldman, Judge of the Juvenile Court of Cleveland. Judge Waldman. Abraham Lincoln has been acclaimed as the Supreme American to free men throughout the world and to myriads longing to be free Lincoln is known as the saint of democracy. Therefore, everything pertaining to the immortal emancipator is of the greatest importance. The newly discovered diary of Edward Rosewater, the Jewish immigrant boy who became War Department telegrapher to whom President Lincoln entrusted the dispatching of his epoch-making emancipation proclamation to the world, 
constitutes a unique addition to our knowledge of the great Civil War leader. Edward Rosewater knew Lincoln. His was the historic opportunity to meet him frequently, to talk to him, and to observe him during moments of disaster and times of triumph. As, wrapped in a shawl and wearing carpet slippers, the worried president visited the War Department telegraph office to receive news from the battlefronts. On this 93rd anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation, which Edward Rosewater flashed to the world at President Lincoln's request, we cannot help but pray that the time may not be far distant when another Abraham Lincoln may come to enunciate a world proclamation to emancipate all mankind from the slavery of fear, hate, intolerance, and man's inhumanity to man, that at long last men the world over may live as brothers with malice toward none, with charity for all. Thank you, Judge Waldman. Our eternal light drama today came to you from Cleveland, Ohio, through the facilities of station WTAM, and was entitled, The Man Who Knew Lincoln, written by Virginia Mazur. Cantor Robert Siegel sang the liturgical introduction. Featured in the cast were Raymond Massey as Lincoln, Donald Buca as Edward Rosewater, and balladeer and guitarist was Tom Glazer. Today's program was based on the Rosewater collection of manuscripts in the American Jewish archives of the Hebrew Union College in Cincinnati, Ohio. This has been an NBC radio production directed by Stuart Buchanan, Bill Mayer speaking. This weekly transcribed program is presented under the auspices of the Jewish Theological Seminary of America. This is the NBC Radio Network. Welcome back. An interesting story from the journal of Edward uh, Rosewater and provides some good insight into the process of Lincoln writing the Emancipation Proclamation and uh, the reasons that he had for it. It also speaks to the quality of Lincoln's uh, character. There are some people who, if they get power, uh, essentially act like they have arrived as big shots. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have Lincoln, who builds relationships with these uh, men working in the uh, telegraph department and connected with this telegraph operator to such a degree. It also points out why Lincoln is such an inspirational figure. Because the idea of, uh, of Lincoln is that wherever you start uh, in America, you can rise as high as your talent, courage, and perseverance will take you. One minor correction, the story said that uh, 1854 was the year that Abraham Lincoln was first elected to Congress. That was actually 1846. So that parallel is not quite accurate, but uh, the story itself is really solid and it's a great uh, incident. And I hope you've uh, enjoyed it. Uh, join us back here next Sunday, and we will have the next installment of our Abraham Lincoln series. 
If you do have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.